Hi, you're listening to Living Life on Purpose, and I'm your host, Matt Wilson. The goal of this show is for us to sit down with successful people who also live a life of purpose. We want you to hear their stories, understand that they've had to overcome adversity, how their faith has played a role, and ultimately we want you to be encouraged by the things that you hear so that you can walk through similar situations. We hope you enjoy. Here in the studio with Steve Skipper. Steve is an incredibly talented artist here in the Birmingham area, and he's also the the recent star of a documentary called Colors of Character, An Artist's Journey to Redemption. It shares the extraordinary journey of Steve and how he, with no formal training, he was able to break down walls of racism in the world of fine art. And God radically saved Skipper when he was a member of a notorious Birmingham, Alabama street gang, and immediately his life was transformed. The movie's focused on his newfound faith and his, his talent for painting. And so Steve faithfully seized opportunities that only God could have provided, and he quickly began gaining notoriety in the sports world for his meticulous artistic style of super realism. Now, Skipper is continuing his journey, painting the stories of the pioneers of the civil rights movement, including the celebrating the pilgrimage of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. to Bimini, Bahamas, where he wrote his Nobel, Nobel Peace Prize acceptance speech. And recently, uh, his work has become a part of Mr. and Ms. Harry Belafonte's collection. He's focused on formal commissions for uh, the Bart Starr family and Ambassador Andrew J. Young. Steve, it is an honor to have you here with me today. Oh, the honor is all mine. I really appreciate it. I, I don't know that it's ironic. Uh, I would say that it's it's all God, but to to be speaking with you on Martin Luther King Jr., the the holiday that celebrates his life, and to have somebody who has has been a part of the civil rights movement and and really still integral in uh, conveying that message of the things that took took place a long time ago and are still taking place today, um, it's just it's really exciting to see how God orchestrated that, and so. Um, give us a little bit of your background and and how you got into uh, artwork and uh, kind of what what God's done in your life. Well, I uh, got into artwork um, uh, wanting to be like my my big brother Don. He used to draw a little bit and stuff like that. And I had an uncle uh, Eugene Henderson uh, that was very very good at art. Uh, but they came up in a time uh, when um, an African American wanted to be a professional at artwork in the, in the forties and fifties and stuff like that. It wasn't really accepted very, very well. And I think that, um, once the Lord uh, laid his hands on me to do it, um, super, uh, in the sixties uh, and stuff like that. And I think that in 1976 was when I got saved. And when I got saved, I mean, man, it was just like, um, um, pouring gasoline on a fire to tell you the truth. You know, it's just like finding out, number one, where the gift came from and then falling in love with the one who gave the gift. And I'm talking about, I was just like uh, drawing and, and, and doing everything I could, painting everything I could concerning the Lord at that time. And like, I, like you said before in the, in the bio, uh, God saved me from a notorious uh, uh, street guy and a lot of people 
that feel like they know me don't know that I was in that game. And, uh, you know, it's things like that are done in darkness. You know, Jesus said that men love darkness rather than light because darkness covers up their evil deeds. And so my participation in the game was very, very secretive. You know, I didn't do a lot of stuff in the hometown that I lived in. We uh, traveled to another part of the city of uh, Birmingham and stuff like that and did a whole lot of stuff that we were doing. And I would come back home, you know, uh, acting like I was, the, you know, still in the choir boy in church. <laughs> But, you know, God has a tremendous plan uh, that will supersede anything that the enemy has you into. And I think that here we stand here 46 or 40, 45 years later um, with with Christ in my heart and uh, the world behind me and the cross before me. That's awesome. And so at, at the point that that he saved you, um, obviously you had no concept of how much your life was going to be transformed. And, and I, I think that, you know, it's extremely important for people to realize that, you know, it doesn't matter where you were before. You know, I, I had a life before you know, I became the person that I am now. And, and the beautiful thing about Jesus is, you know, he loves us while we were sinners. Mm-hmm. And now that doesn't mean he loves us. Uh, so much that he wants to leave us where we are. He loves us so much that he wants us to, to come and follow him, to turn. And that's where repentance comes in. But at the same time, there's never anybody that's too far gone to experience the love and the grace that he has. And so uh, I think that it's awesome that throughout the Bible and, and today, uh, two people that are here that are saved by grace, uh, that he continues to use people that, you know, humanity that the world would have said, I wouldn't have picked that person, mm-hmm. but God uses the broken and and the ones that are humble and that are submitted, that are willing to say, you know what, there's got to be a better way. And, and they turn and they follow him. And then he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we ever hope, dream or imagine. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. you've seen that play out in your life. Oh, so yeah. you got saved and what started to happen? Well, I tell you what, you know, um, I don't know how, you know, some, some other people, you know, feel about this, but there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about when I got saved because it was a tremendous thing that, that happened in my life. I I didn't join some religious group or something like that or join a church or something like that, that, um, the demon possession in my life, um, wouldn't stand for that kind of stuff like that. And so I was in a very, very bad situation. Uh, I think that one of the biggest things about my testimony that people are really grabbing a hold to is the fact when I start talking about how much dysfunction was in my home as a, as a child. And I think that uh, there's not a family on earth uh, that's filled with people that's been born in sin that doesn't have some kind of dysfunction. And I think that once you put the camera on the fact that God cares about the dysfunction, because a lot of times, man, dysfunction is what the enemy uses to to open doors for us to go into areas where we we have no business going. And then we're so desperate from the pain of dysfunction that we wind up in places, man, thinking that we're, we're in a place where we're safe and we're not. And it's the biggest setup that ever was. And I think that's one thing that happened to me that uh in brokenness and at home uh 
once I was presented opportunity, you know, with the gangs and stuff like that, the gangs present themselves as family. And so when you're a young kid, you don't know, you know, the difference between what they're talking about and what God is talking about. And so sometimes you find yourself in places where uh, it's the it's it's the direct opposite of what God would want for you. But uh, uh, there's a you know statement you made a few minutes ago that how much God loves us. You know, even though you can make that bad turn, and even though you can end up in something that's hideous and I'm some something that's extremely bad, God still cares and He's always looking. And one thing about you know, as I witness to different people these days, you know the that the best place that you can get as a human being, the best place you can get is when you get tired of sin. When you get tired of it, because some, at some point in life, I don't care how good you are at it, you're going to be very, very tired. There's a place on the inside of everybody that looks just like God. And it is God. And when you get to that place where you're tired of sin, like Jesus said, come unto me, what? All ye that labor and are heavy laden, he said, I'll give you rest for what? Your soul. Hmm. I mean, you can't go to bed in the best bed in the world and get rest for your soul. The only somebody that can give you rest for your soul is Christ. And once you get to the point of where you got tired, man, I mean, that's the place where God's been waiting on you to get. And I got to the point of where I actually got tired. I couldn't tell the people around me. They wouldn't understand anyway. But next thing you know, man, God sent somebody into my life that risked his life to tell me about Jesus. And when he came, the day that he came into my life, his name was Mike Mitchell. When he came into my life and he confronted me face to face and told me I needed to give my life to Jesus, I was so tired in my soul. I was ready to do it. And man, that, I mean, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. On the day that you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's the day that you'll change. You know, that's it's a famous quote. And um, people have to get to that point where they realize what they're doing is not working. And yes. the definition of insanity is doing the, th- the, the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And there's so many people that continue to do the same thing. And they don't know why it's not working out because they're not doing what God has called them to do. And I was one of those people as well. You know, I would wake up and and I would have been out partying or, or doing all kinds of nonsense. And and I'd wake up and I just I'd look into the mirror and it'd be like, who am I? What am I doing? And and it wasn't until I met my wife that I started to get back into church. I grew up in church, but I turned away from God. And then my wife helped me get back into church and she wasn't in church either. So it was all God. But. You know, we got back into church and then she got radically saved in 2011. And when she had an encounter with God, she started praying that I would meet godly men. Well, I didn't know that she was doing that. And it wasn't until 2016 that God revealed he sent my wife because my mom had been praying all these years that I'd meet a godly woman. And she didn't know. And I didn't know that that I met a godly woman. I just thought she's beautiful. And then when my wife had this encounter in 2011, 
she started praying for me to meet all these men. I didn't know that she was doing that. And God revealed all that to me on day 17 of 21 days of prayer in January of 2016. And at that point, I realized like I'm the problem. I need to change. And I just fully surrendered. I was broken. I was tired of, of thinking that I had it all figured out. But really, on the inside, I knew that I hadn't figured out anything. I had a great facade. But, you know, at that point, I, I broke down. I wept. I asked for forgiveness. And I said, God, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'm yours. Yeah. And I've been following him ever since. And it's been a radical transformation in me. And it, it's an encounter with Jesus. It's an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changes lives. I mean, people can go and listen to hear a message. They can, you know, do whatever. Uh, and I know that that people can be brought to Christ in many different ways. But, you know, you got to the point where you recognize, like, I've got to have something. I'm probably going to end up dead. And, and you know, I, I think that um, it's amazing to see. And again, just for the record, Steve and I have never met in person. We've been connected on social media for a while. And, and God just laid it on my heart to reach out to him because of the message that he conveys, his testimony he shares on Facebook. And so, you know, it's uh, it's just awesome to see from a distance how you're living your life now and not knowing any of that backstory, but getting to hear a little bit of that. Uh, so, you know, you get saved. Uh, a guy risks his life to witness to you and you get saved. And then what does God start to do in you and through you from that point? Let me tell you a little bit about that, though. That's that's an exciting part, you know. Uh, when 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 Mike approached me and, and and told me I needed Jesus in my life, I, I was sitting in a park celebrating with some of the other gang members. We had just robbed some people Friday night and celebrating on Saturday. And so when Mike approached me, I had forty five in my waist, mm. and and he didn't care. It, I mean, he had a uh, a boldness. I know exactly what that is now, but I didn't recognize it then. And, you know, he walked up to me and he said, you know, uh, he started talking to me about Jesus. I had never, uh, I've heard about Jesus before and I heard people preach and all that kind of stuff and went to church before a lot and, and never heard anybody say or talk about Jesus like he, like he did. And I had known, like, you know, known of him in the community, but we, we wasn't very close at the time. And then he came up and he said that and he didn't care anything about those other guys when he approached me, man. And he started walking a little bit closer to me and stuff. And they got up and all of us were packing at the time. You know, we were heavily on. And so they started to get up and they started to come towards him. And I waved them off and I went up to him myself. Now, I'm tired on the inside of my spirit. But at the same time, I don't know what it is. It's something like like uh, when Christ approached Nicodemus, you know, uh, I'm tired. But at the same time. Those demonic spirits still have hold of me. And so I make a deal with Mike and I tell him, look, <laughs> I know in my mind, I know in my mind that that uh, these guys are going to do something bad to Mike if, if, if this doesn't stop. And so I tell him, I say, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal with you. And I thought I was in total control when I started saying that. But I said, I'll make a deal with you. 
I'll go to church with you one night if you don't say anything to me about Jesus again. And immediately he said, deal. He said it too fast. It almost scared me. And so he said, I tell you what, he said, you see that church down there on the corner? He said, I'll get a minister to come to that church just for you and to have a service just for you. If you'll come to that church on Friday night at seven o'clock. And I said, all right, I'll be there. So I made a plan in my mind that I was going to go and meet with him. Right. But I was going to have another guy come and meet me outside the church. And I was going to start taking the speed that we were selling. And so I made that deal with that guy. And I told him, I said, you meet me outside that church at 715, because I knew that once I got in the church, I've been in church before. And once they start singing and everything like that, they get excited. I was going to sit on the back pew and slip out of the back of the church. 15 minutes, I'd meet this guy and we'd go ahead and do what we got to do. But that was my plan. God's plan was for me to go into that church on Friday night at 7 o'clock. And instead of me coming out in 15 minutes, I'd stay in 46 years. Wow. Because I got saved, man. I heard the word of God, the unadulterated word of God preached to me like I had never heard it before. And I had my colors around my wrist. I remember dropping my colors on the floor of the back of the church after I heard the gospel preached to me. And I remember getting up and going to the front and getting on my knees and, and receiving Christ as personal Savior. And from that point on, I'm telling you, nothing has been the same. But being in a gang like that, you know, you don't just, you know, Get happy for 15 minutes, really, because you know you got, you don't get out of this game normally. And I've seen people try to get out of it before, but it didn't end very well. And so I knew I had to go to them the next day. And I look, that boldness that Mike approached me with, I had it. And so I was ready to go to the game members and let them know I wasn't coming back. But I knew how this could end. But I had fallen in love with Jesus so deeply man, that night. And then I knew about the fact that if I died, I would go straight to heaven. And so I actually thought that when I went in there to tell them that I wasn't coming back, I actually thought that if I turned around and started to walk out, they were going to shoot me. And I'm talking about I was really, really ready for the, you know, the shot. I'm waiting on the shot. Every step I took, I'm waiting on the shot. And here was a 46 years later, the shot never came. And I found out from one of the gang members later that the dreaded, the dramatic and radical change that you said that your wife had, that radical change, that radical change in my life, it actually scared them to the point where they knew how I was before this conversion. And for me to walk in there talking about Jesus Christ with the anointing of God on my life, that was something that the enemy on the inside of them could not stand. And I walked out, nobody said anything to me for 40 something years. That is fantastic. And, uh, you know, the, the boldness that you're talking about, you know, God has, has placed anybody that is filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they have the ability to tap into that boldness. If they, you know, God gives them an assignment and they walk out that assignment, he gives them that boldness that only he could give. He gave you that ability to walk into this situation and 
they saw, like, I don't know what's going on with this guy, but whatever happened is real. And, you know, uh, I've got a buddy, Ernest, that when I first met him, you know, he was homeless. He was out in the park and God told me to go and, and witness the homeless people. And, and I, I did. And he's the first guy I come to. And, and I start talking to him about Jesus. He didn't want to hear anything about it. And we're five, 10, 15. I don't know how long into the conversation. I realized dude's big and he's upset and he's got a knife in front of him. I didn't care. Mm. I did not care. And, and I went back to him the next time he wanted to have nothing to do with me. And God laid him on my heart. And the next time I went back to him, that was in August, went back on Labor Day. And I said, hey, God has prepared me for this moment. God has showed me how you you remind me of this friend that I had growing up. And we're going to be friends. And I told him, we are going to be friends. And I'm not afraid of you. He said, most people are afraid of me. I said, I'm not afraid of you. And not because I think I can take you because I don't want to fight. But God has sent me out here. And if God sent me out here, I'm not worried about it. And, and he talks about all the time, that boldness that he saw. He had never seen anything like that before. And he was drawn to it. Now, he still has not given his heart to Jesus, but he knows that there's some, this little bitty white boy and here's large black man, you know, that intimidated everybody. And he knew that there was something different. And um, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and it's crazy to people on the outside because like, there's no way that you can walk into this situation and come out not at, at, at the least hurt, uh, let alone dead, but only God can do those things. And he does it all the time. And it's awesome when he does it and you're a part of it. But uh, it's it's definitely crazy for uh, for people that are on the outside looking in. So you leave the gang and they don't kill you. There, there's no repercussions, which does not happen 99% of the time. And And then what do you do? Well, you got to remember something, too. The, the the night before I went to see them, I had started taking the drugs, you know, that I was selling. Mm-hmm. And, and I was addicted. And so I'm thinking, while everybody's milling around the church after, you know, I get saved, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I got to go and I got to go through the with, withdrawal process. And I've seen that in so many other different people that we sold to. And so I was kind of dreading it. So I went back home and I sat up in the bed, you know, because I know it, it, withdrawal is like your body fighting, fighting itself, trying to get the next, the next hit. So I'm sitting there in the bed and I'm sitting up in the bed, you know, and, and with everything and every muscle and fiber in my body, I'm waiting on this, this train wreck to start happening. And, uh, it never happened. So in 40, 40, 40, what, 44, 45 years, it never happened. So. Uh, and then I found out that the, the speed that I was going to meet the guy outside the church to buy, I found that it wasn't cut right. And that speed would have killed me that night. So God saved my soul and my life in the same night. And so you're talking about on fire for God, man. I'm talking about my, my, uh, my pastor at the time, you know, he's in the, he's in the, um, in the movie and, you know, he talks about the fact that, you know, I was 16 years old the first time I came to church Sunday morning. I came to church 
And then there's some people standing outside of the church, you know, and they're standing outside talking. And we're supposed to start at at, uh, at 11 o'clock or something, I thought. And then they're outside and about 10 minutes after 11. And I come out there and say, hey, <laughs> same boldness. I got it now. I say, hey, don't we supposed to start at 11 o'clock? I mean, we're supposed to be doing this stuff for Jesus. Come on in here. Let's go. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> came in and started. And so. I mean, man, it's been like that for 40 some years. And I mean, totally in love with God, totally in love with his son and led by his Holy Spirit, the artwork and everything. I never had a uh, lesson to do artwork from anybody. God gets the glory for all of that. and um, Life couldn't be better. So I, I want people to understand. Uh, and, and my wife is an artist. She used to do realism. And, and she's extremely talented, but the, the level of talent that this man has is incredible. I mean, it is, uh, it's hyper realism. Is that uh, super realism? Super realism. I mean, it is so detailed and so, um, I mean, you've got to see it to understand like how real this looks. And in some of the artwork that you've done, uh, I've seen a handful of the paintings, uh, but you know, I saw Coach Clark at the gym yesterday. Uh, I've seen that one that you did for, for Coach Clark and UAB. Uh, I've seen some of the, the Alabama paintings. And unfortunately, I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. And so <laughs> a couple of them I've seen that, uh, you know, obviously two is play to win the national championship. Uh, I know you did uh, you know, his side as well as Devontae Smith's uh, reception of that that pass that broke our hearts. But uh, beautiful, beautiful artwork. So how did you start getting into, uh, you know, that type of painting? Because it's uh, I mean, my wife's got formal training. She trained at Alabama. But, you know, how do you realize, like, I've got the ability to just get this detailed with my stuff and then how did you get in front of people like that that i mean obviously god but um explain that well um like i said i used to do artwork you know wanted to be like my brother and my uncle and during the period of time uh i was in the gangs and stuff like that you gotta understand the the period of time that i was in the gangs it lasted only three years from 13 to 16. And you'd be incredibly surprised at what Satan can do in three years, you know. And and after I got saved, man, I found out where that gift came from. The minister, he didn't know me. And he, but God spoke to him. Spoke through him, through him to me that night. That the artistic talent that I had. And he started talking about that, and, and nobody knew that. And, and I'm telling you, just grabbed my heart. And um, I think later on, uh, I received prophecy from that minister that God was going to bless me to do artwork. And I didn't need formal training from anybody that God was going to teach me everything I needed to know. And you got to understand, I'm just 17 years old, never been anywhere, been been to Atlanta. That's about as far as I've ever traveled. And part of the prophecy said that my artwork would be seen all over the world. And so I go back home and I, my relationship with God goes to another level where he starts talking to me. 
And he starts telling me about art. And then he starts telling me how to do certain things with my artwork. And you got to understand something. I know this sounds crazy and everything. We always talk about God as a, uh, as, about Jesus as a Lord and a Savior and a deliverer and a healer. But a lot of times we don't put emphasis on the fact that he's creator. And nobody teaches creativity better than the creator. And nobody knows creativity better than a creator. There's not a professor or a teacher nowhere on this earth that can tell you how to mix color or about the human anatomy or about realism better than God. And he started telling me stuff that really didn't make any sense, but I was so in love with him, I just do anything he said. And the next thing you know, we've got artwork. And even now, I'm working on a painting um, to commemorate the life of uh, Ambassador Andrew Young, um, his life before Dr. King, with Dr. King and after Dr. King. It's probably the hardest thing I've ever done been working on it probably about four months now uh maybe right at five months probably it's going to take about 14 hours 1400 hours to finish it mm-hmm. and um this is the hardest thing i've ever done but uh after all these years god is whispering stuff in my ear while i'm painting about art that i've never heard before that uh in all the other paintings and so this painting is kind of complex it's a different style and still super realism there but it, it has a lot, a lot of detail in it. And so people will call you kind of strange <laughs> when you say God told me to how to do this and stuff like that until you pull the cover off of it. And then that, at the same time, there's nobody on the face of this earth that can claim that they taught you. And so, as you said before, you know, when you start and you open up, it's all God. Well, I definitely, uh, it doesn't sound strange to me because, um, you know, I've, I've had prophetic words spoken over me and, and I've heard, you know, again, the relationship that was earnest. And I mean, it was God speaking to me and, and giving me, you know, an assignment. He told me to love others. And I said, I already love others. He said, love others more. I was like, okay, who? And he said, the homeless. And the week before he'd spoken to me about, you know, a lot of homeless being in Las Vegas when I'd asked him you know, where I needed to go. So I, I went there as well. But, you know, so I, I know the things that that he has called me to do and the things that I hear him speak. And so it's not crazy to me at all. And and I think that, you know, the, the written word of God, the God breathed word of the Bible is always the the utmost standard. But, you know, people need to realize that God is still speaking today every single day to the people that will get quiet, that will still themselves, that will seek his face. He is speaking. He's looking for open and willing vessels to pour out his spirit into and, and to, uh, to use. And, you know, it, it's just like, um, you know, you've got to be pliable in order to be used. You know, if, if, you're not willing to go wherever he wants you to go, then he's not going to, to, you know, continue to pour into something that that he doesn't have the ability to shape and send wherever. And uh, so that makes complete sense to me. Okay. Uh, so so from that standpoint, tell us a little bit about the the movie and and how that came about and. 
Um, I was trying to watch it the other night and the, the, the clip that, that I got sent didn't have the sound. So I haven't gotten to watch it yet, but, um, Oh man, you got to watch this movie. <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> you got to watch this movie. I think what we started out at was, uh, witnessing, uh, yeah, having lunch with some friends, giving my testimony and stuff like that. And then one of the friends said that, hey, man, he said, I got somebody you need to meet. You know, I got somebody you really need to meet. And so he said, let's let's set another lunch for, for next weekend. And uh, uh, you and this other guy, y'all really need to meet. And so we set another lunch and got together. And the other guy that he brought was a writer. And so gave my testimony to him. And he said, oh, my God. He said, this this will really make a good book. We need to get together and write a good book on this thing. And so we got together and for the few years, you know, we worked together and we put together a book. Book got published. Um, uh, next thing you know, uh, God's using the book tremendously. And then uh, the author, the, the ghostwriter that helped me, he comes back and said, I got somebody you need to meet. And this snowball, it just kept rolling. And so we meet with this other guy who's a movie producer, but he's believing God to, 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 you know, build up his, his, his opportunities and stuff like that. He has the gift to do it, but the opportunities are not there at the time. And we're sitting at a table, man. We're sitting at a table, believing God. Uh, look, here's an ex drug addicted gang member that God bless to learn how to write a book. That's a miracle. I'm telling you, that's a serious miracle. Now, here we sitting here having all these different meetings and stuff like that. Um, and, and we're all dreaming. One day the book is going to come a movie. One day the movie is going to bless the world. One day, you know, and look, we have just enough money to buy these barbecue sandwiches. That we <laughs> <laughs> and we're, but we're actually speaking this thing into existence. And the next thing you know, man, here come some people from uh from birmingham they get together and they put together the initial money that we need to get started it's just i mean you know god's just putting all this stuff together and the next thing you know we get to a point to where uh we need more money to get the movie actually finished and everything and there's a lot of money that we need and then there's some people from nashville that come in and and before the people from Nashville come in, there's some other movie people that want it, but they're not Christian. And we're, you know, we're real, real careful not to get the message lost in the hands of people who really don't understand what we're trying to say. And people who will, that the enemy could use to, to just throw away the message and keep it from getting out there and helping people. And then here comes a company that's owned by two ministers. <laughs> and And these guys have the know-how they have everything that we need and everything. And they come to Birmingham and meet with us. And I'm sitting in the room crying like a little baby because, you know, from the time God got me, um, Lord have mercy, from the time that God got me out of that hideous situation that I was in, where the enemy was using me every day. And I'm just living day by day, man. I'm just happy that I'm saved. I'm happy that I can witness the people. And at the same time, I'm not really noticing that day by day by day, this is a huge story that's being built. And now I'm sitting in a room with lawyers and all these other different people that are, um, 
have combined themselves as a team to help tell my story to the world. And and I started to cry. There's another attorney that was sitting next to me, and he said, man, he said, God has just put together this great team for you. You ought to be proud. And so we're in the center of a pandemic, and everybody is at the table is saying that this is the perfect time for this to happen. The pandemic is not going to stop this. And um, this is a time where there's a lot of racial tension in the country right now and all over the world. And God's going to use this story to show that where he brought me to and even where he brought me from, he used different people, different creeds, different races and colors to make it happen. And beyond the colors that are on my palette in my studio, there's all these different people and all these different colors of character. And how Martin Luther King said, you don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. And the character of all these different people that put this project together, man, is such a beautiful thing. Greatest thing about the movie that happened to me was my daughter saw it in Texas. She lived in Dallas, and she called. She told me how how much it touched her heart and how how much it encouraged her to rebuild That just blew me away. Wow. Well, I definitely want to uh, see the movie. And if it's anywhere as close to the, the power of your testimony in this uh, this episode today, I, I can only imagine how good it's got to be. Uh, so, how can people watch them? Uh, you can go to a website called colorsofcharactermovie.com. Okay. And you should be able to get it in your homes from there. And, you know, the movie is not just, you know, me or whatever, but it's about a lot of people that God brought into my life, a lot of celebrity people, uh, Pastor Andrew Young is in it, uh, Ozzy is a great football player from Alabama, Cleveland, uh, General Manager Bob Courageous is in it. Uh, there, there's a lot of different people that are in the movie that is a big God brought into my life. Uh, their testament. You know, one of the amazing things is the fact that Every time the film crew would go somewhere and film these different people, they would come back to this place, look on their face, and they tell me, you never believe this. I said, but, you know, each one of these people, they don't know each other, but they're saying pretty much the same thing about how God really touched your life and how, how your life really touched their lives and, and all this stuff that you're talking about, man. It's just a, uh, 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 spokesperson for Kleenex because I'm talking about I cried so much throughout this this movie, you know. Never used Kleenex this much in my life. <laughs> and one of the greatest things about this movie also is my my uh eleven year old uh son, he plays me in the movie as a as a uh, fourth grader because I had a great teacher that noticed that God was God's hand was on my life in, in, in that uh, he was going to do something special in my life. She noticed that. 
in the fourth grade. And so my little boy plays me in the fourth grade and he's, he's, uh, he did an excellent job. Wow. That's amazing. All right. So colors of character movie.com. Yes, sir. All right. So if you guys want to check out this movie, as do I, that's where you need to go. And, uh, Steve, it's just been an honor to have you here today. Uh, very yeah. thankful for your honor willingness to share. Honor's been all mine. I really appreciate it. Well, we definitely hope that, that you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, you know, follow us on Facebook, Living Life on Purpose, and then on Instagram, Living Life on Purpose Always. Uh, we'll continue to have these episodes every couple weeks. Uh, but if you like it, please like, share, comment so that other people can get encouraged as I know that you have by listening to this today. Thank you so much and we'll check you out next time.